The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. Get Out Alive, Part 2. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. The security personnel were all jammed together. Their focus was in the complete opposite direction from John and Sarah. John didn't mind in the least. He'd lined up his first target, base of the neck and under the helmet, then depressed the trigger on his carbine. The suppressed round hit right on target. The hypersonic crack of the rifle and the impact with flesh lost in the cacophony, sending up a red mist that dusted the first man's nearest companions. He worked his way down the back of the line, putting a double tap into the upper neck or head of his targets. Some he had to smoke check with an extra round or two while they were on the ground. He was a damned good shot, but even still, nothing was certain in a gunfight. It was better to spend the rounds to make sure a target was out of action than to get surprised later. Towards the end, the security guards started to catch on that they were in the middle of a death sandwich and tried to react, fight back somehow. John expended the last of his magazine putting them down. Ten dead for sure, with at least two more on their way out and definitely out of the fight. Now it was time for Sarah to go to work. She manifested her spear alongside her sword, and she waded in. By this time, more of the guards had figured out they were being taken from behind. They turned to face Sarah, who had sheathed herself in flame and leapfrogged past John, her sword and spear so hot they were white approaching plasma. The guards had ballistic shields, rated to withstand rifle fire. If they had counted on those to protect them, they were sadly mistaken. Sarah sliced the tops off and took out three of the tightly packed guards with blows from the butt of her spear. They went down like hammered cattle. Before any of the other security guards could turn their weapons on Sarah, John sent a blast of flame from his right hand, centered on her. It blossomed around her, engulfing the guards nearest to his wife. She could see perfectly well in his flames, which could not hurt her. The guards, meanwhile, were panicked and screaming in pain. He slung his rifle, manifesting his fire claymore as he charged after his wife. Sarah, as usual, was doing her best to be non-lethal, but that did not mean pain-free. She was using the hilt of her spear and the pommel of her sword to knock out those who appeared to be having second thoughts about what they were doing, but for those who were showing no sign of mercy, well, neither did she. For every step she took forward, a man went down, either unconscious or dead. Unlike the hardened Thulean armor, the Kevlar vests and shields offered no more resistance to her fiery weapons than butter. John was right behind her. He wasn't being bloodthirsty, but where he struck, it was usually a killing blow. It was the quickest and easiest way for him to protect himself and Sarah, and these men had made their choices already so far as he was concerned. Slicing through barrels and weapon receivers as easily as armor and flesh, he cleaved his way through the opposition, his back to Sarah's at all times as they mowed through the guards. It was almost like a dance, with he and Sarah being the only ones in time with the steps. Sarah performed a wide, low sweep with her sword and spear. John leapt over both, executing a back-edge cut with each pass. They went until John had gone around in a complete circle, with several sweeps of Sarah's weapons. When they finished, all of the security guards around them were dead, dying or incapacitated. Neither of them were breathing hard. 
There was still a chaotic knot of action happening immediately in front of them, however. At the heart of it was something, someone, dressed in what looked like a uniform coverall, torn in places and splattered liberally with blood. It was the same style as the one John had worn when he was a part of the program. Instead of green, this one was light blue, like a hospital patient's. It had to be young Marlowe. There couldn't be that many people down here who were green-skinned and teal-haired. John could tell immediately that the boy had already been through program experimentation. Where his arms were visible, he shared the exact same scars that John had. The fruits of that awful labor were readily apparent. Zachary moved fast. In an instant, John gauged that the boy was slightly faster than himself. The rare speedsters out there, where being fast or reacting quickly was their primary power, were the only things faster. And he was plainly as strong as John, if not somewhat stronger. The enhancements under his skin bulged with his exertions, standing out with each swipe and thrust and jab. The kid was a brawler. When John and Sarah first saw him, he was busy fighting off three security guards. He didn't have any finesse or real technique to his fighting, no training even. Whatever they had tried to impart to him in the program, he had either rejected or it just hadn't taken. It didn't seem that the kid needed it either. The security guards were good. They didn't take turns or hang back, trying to take Zachary on one at a time. All three of them rushed together. One had a stun wand of a model that John had never seen before. It was actually arcing electricity in loud pops and snaps and looked lethal. The second guard had a pump-action shotgun tricked out with a tactical light and a red dot, while the third carried only a pistol. The guard with the shotgun fired three blasts in quick succession, only a handful of paces away from Zack, but none of the shots seemed to find him, instead hitting the walls and floor around him. The closest bit took a bite out of Zack's coveralls, but didn't find flesh. Even with as fast as the kid was, that should have been impossible. It looked like the shotgun had been lined up dead on him. This wasn't like the movies, where a shotgun has a spread five feet wide two inches from the barrel. Zack was next to the guard almost instantly, just after the guard had racked the pump on his weapon. The teen grabbed the barrel of the gun, wrenching it violently to his left, the long arm bucked in his grasp as it discharged harmlessly into the wall. By now the guard with the stun baton was in range. He swung in quick, short arcs, aiming for Zack's head and torso. Still holding onto the shotgun, Zack ducked and twisted out of the way. The guard holding the shotgun was tugged off balance by the movements, losing his footing and almost falling to the floor. Some of the strikes from the wand came close enough to singe and burn holes in Zack's clothing, but he didn't seem to notice. Like a lightning strike, his right hand shot out, grabbing the weapon arm of the guard with the stun wand. The man screamed as Zack's hand squeezed, crunching the bones like they were dried twigs. With a swift jerk, he carried the crippled guard's arm and stun wand into the man with the shotgun. The other man seized with a spasm as the electricity surged into him, causing him to collapse to the floor. It took John a second to realize that it was only the arm from the guard with the stun arm he had pulled towards his comrade. The teen had torn the guard's arm off at the elbow. The third and final guard, who was behind the other two, began firing with his pistol. His rounds tore through the guard with the missing arm, who was staring at the stump of his right arm with a befuddled expression, likely from shock, before one of the rounds entered his temple and sent him to the floor, dead. John's heart skipped a beat. The shots surely would hit Zack. 
unless he had a healing factor, or he and Sarah could somehow heal the kid. He was as good as dead. The guard with the pistol emptied his entire magazine in one quick fusillade, the slide locking back once it was finished. The guard stood there, stock still for a moment. Then he frantically began to reload. Zack was advancing on him, completely unharmed. Not a single round had struck him. Incongruously, John saw that there was a small drift of leaves at Zack's feet, quickly wilting and turning brown. The guard managed to jam the magazine home and drop the slide just as Zack reached him. The teen slapped the pistol to the side at the last second before it fired. The guard on the ground with the shotgun had seemingly recovered during the barrage and had taken aim at Zachary's back as he was walking towards the last standing guard. The round from the pistol slammed into the shotgun guard's unarmored throat with a wet smack, and the guard's eyes bulged in pain. His aim wavered for a moment before he finally pulled the trigger. Zachary twisted to the side at the last moment, and the blast caught the guard with the pistol full in the chest. The guard fell backwards, landing hard on his shoulders. The ballistic vest he was wearing had protected him, but his wind was gone. Zachary glanced back at the guard behind him. He was gurgling blood, too focused on the losing battle of keeping the wound covered with his hands to be any more of a threat. He returned to the guard in front of him. The man was groaning, trying to force air back into his lungs. Zack took his time, coming to a rest standing next to the man's helmet and head. He waited until the guard regained his breath, opening his eyes. Please, no, please, just no, 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 no! Zachary lifted one foot, then brought it down savagely on the guard's helmet. The crunch was horrible, and John didn't want to think about whether it was the guard's helmet, or his skull, or both. For a second, John saw the teen's face sag. His chest was heaving, and he didn't look like the unholy terror he had been moments ago, but like a scared kid who only wanted to wake up from a nightmare he was trapped in. Then Sarah's fires flared, and he looked up, suddenly seeing them for the first time. There was no hesitation. He charged, first going for Sarah. Both of them sensed the attack before it came, but there was something else coming through their battle sense. Normally, things were clear. Intention, action, inevitability all played out in a pattern they could anticipate. With Zachary, there was some sort of background vibration to it, that became more intense as he neared. John interposed himself between Zachary and Sarah. His speed and strength were more on par with the teens. He instantly extinguished his claymore, deciding to meet the charge barehanded. They didn't want to hurt Zack after all. It became immediately apparent that Zack had no such reservations. He attacked wildly, each strike meant to cripple or kill John. His face betrayed a storm of internal fury. His teeth were bared, and his eyes were wild with murderous intentions. John parried each blow, using every ounce of his speed and strength to keep the teen at bay. Several times, even with his enhancements and battle sense, the teen's attacks came close enough to rip through John's uniform, drawing blood with shallow grazes, and twice it was only Sarah's intervention with the deflection of the butt of her spear, or a blinding flash of a fiery wing between them that saved him from something near lethal. Damn if the kid isn't fast, John thought. But that speed came at a price. Zachary was going full out, but the effort was draining him. He was winded, and soon his attacks became sloppier, more desperate. Darling, we don't have time for this. Once he's worn down, 
I will intervene. It didn't take long before Zachary was completely out of steam. There was terror mixed with the rage now, and John feared that the team was going to do something even crazier now that he recognized he couldn't continue to defend himself. Sarah launched herself at the young Meta, without spear or sword, wrapping him in arms and wings from behind, pinning his arms to his side. Peace, she said into his right ear. Be still. And at the same time, waves of calm washed over John, and presumably Zachary as well. We are here for you, not against you. The exhausted teen continued to struggle for a few seconds, slowly becoming still. The odd buzzing that John and Sarah had felt through their battle sense faded, then stopped completely. Zachary was quiet for several long moments before finally speaking. Who are you? I am the Seraphim, she replied. You do not know me. You have been held here, in this little hell, ever since your parents gave you over to these... monsters. You do not know what has been happening out there in the world... But terrible things are happening there that drove us to find you. This is my beloved, John. He knows what you have lived through, because he has lived through the same. There was a pause. Can you let me go? They both felt waves of distrust flowing off of the teen. He wasn't sure of what to expect from them, but it seemed that he was at least willing to listen for the moment. If you will pledge not to attack us any further, Sarah paused, I will trust your word. Okay, lady, but don't try anything. Slowly and carefully, she unwrapped her wings, flipping them slightly to get them settled properly on her back, then let go of him, taking her place at John's side, she left her hands empty, at her sides, but her eyes, still glowing gold, never left his. The teen immediately whirled on the couple, his hands up in a defensive stance, but they could tell that it was just a reaction. He didn't give off any intent of doing them harm. He was confused, and very, very frightened. Why are you here? Are you at the program? We are here to take you away from this place. Sarah replied steadily. And no, we are not with the program. Although John knows all there is to know about it, to his sorrow. He stared at her, confusion starting to penetrate his fear. How? You're both metas, right? I went through something like what you went through, kid. I got out, though. Sort of seems like you were in the middle of doing the same thing. We can take you the rest of the way and somewhere safe, if you'll come with us. John didn't make any sudden movements. He figured that the kid was right on the edge, and any little thing might set him off. Why me? Why go through all the trouble? The kid is sharp, I'll give him that much. It's a long story. Judging by those lovely bells going off over the intercom, we don't have a lot of time to go into it. You've got to make the call, kid. 
If we were here to hurt you, we would have done it already. If we were with the program, we wouldn't have put down those guards that you see behind us. Zachary leaned to the side to see past John and Sarah at the pile of unconscious and dead guards behind them. Trust us or don't? Either way, figure it out fast. Sarah cocked her head to the side, looking momentarily up and away. There is not much time remaining. The Thulians are here. John got the flash at the same moment. There was a spear outside, sending troops, armored and unarmored, to the entrance of the facility. The new alarms were not for John and Sarah. The alarms signaled the arrival of a threat whose only purpose was to wipe this facility off the map, along with everyone in it. Thulians? What? John felt the chill of great danger tracing the line of his spine. Bad guys, kid. Worse than these goons. We're officially out of time. What's it going to be? Zack looked from John to Sarah, then back again. He sighed, then called over his shoulder. Come out, everyone. We're leaving. What looked like two dozen teens emerged from behind a corner further down the hall. All of them were scared, wearing the same coverall that Zack was. Some were very obviously metas. Various physical manifestations of their powers showed that plainly enough. Trainees. Lab rats. Just like I used to be. Is that all of them? John said, unslinging his rifle and making sure it was charged with a fresh magazine. There were more of us, Zack muttered quietly, looking down at the ground. In that moment, John and Sarah both wanted nothing more than to hug the teen and let him know that it wasn't his fault, that everything would be okay in time. But they couldn't wait a moment longer. Danger was closing in. John, we must seek another way out, Sarah said quietly. You must speak to Vicky. Our priority is to escape, not confront. Gotcha. Overwatch, you on the line? John motioned for Zack and the other escapees to follow. They needed to get moving. Finding exactly how they were getting out would depend on Vicky. Any natural materials around there? Slap a hand on them. Vicky did not waste a moment in greetings. She already knew that if John had called her, the need had turned dire. None. Hold a second, going to try something. Darling? John slung his rifle behind him, manifesting the fiery claymore with a whoosh of flame, sending several of the teens stumbling backwards. Fear not, Sarah said over her shoulder as she manifested her spear. Waves of reassurance came from her. We need only an access. She rammed her spear into the wall, burning a small hole through it to the earth beyond. Steam immediately began to issue from around the spear. She withdrew and quelled it as water followed, leaving a hole for John to plunge his claymore in, widening it enough so that he could force his hand and arm into the earth beyond. Contact made, Vic. Roger. I'm using my geomancy to find all the spaces with the unnatural crap to get a floor plan for the facility. And... done. Watch your HUD for directions. Who are you two talking to? Zack had edged forward, watching the couple work. Roger that, Vicky. 
he withdrew his arm from the hole in the wall, shaking the muddy water off before extinguishing the sword again and reshouldering his rifle. I am the Sky Kid. Our Overwatch. Kind of like Mission Control. She's going to help us get out of this joint. Suddenly, his HUD showed an overlay. The directions led back through the way Zack and the others had apparently come. There was a dead end back that way that, according to Vicky, was not a dead end at all. Somehow, they were supposed to gain access to a vertical shaft that lay past that wall. Get to the dead end and cut your way past it. If you can get through a Thulean dragon's hide, this should be cake. Copy, we're on it. John and Sarah broke into a trot. Zack and the others followed a short distance behind, until the assembled group reached the wall that Vicky had specified. What now? This is back the way we came. Zack threw up his hands in exasperation. Some of the others were muttering, growing uneasy. Ramp up the fire to melt the edges, otherwise you'll be swimming to the surface, okay? Stand back, kid. Time for a magic trick. John manifested his claymore in his offhand, keeping his rifle shouldered in the other. Sarah thrust her spear forward into the wall that Vicky had marked. She kept her spear just hot enough to burn through the wall into the void beyond. John, however, ramped up his sword as high as he dared. It was brilliantly white-hot when he started cutting into the wall. First, he made a man-sized square around Sarah's spear. He worked quickly, but not so fast that the heat didn't have time to fuse the edges. Once that was done, he cut an X right through the center of the box, from corner to corner. Open sesame. Sarah pulled her spear from the wall in one quick motion. The four chunks from the X came with the spear, spilling dust and concrete to the floor. The escape for the masters, denied to the slaves, Sarah said briefly. Follow me, my dears. John, guard our rear. Without hesitation, she plunged into the dark hole, becoming a literal light in the darkness. There is a ladder, she added, even as her fire showed it to the rest. While Zack hesitated, three of the youngest Metas did not. One of them, a girl who looked to be no more than nine or ten, practically flung herself after Sarah, as if she was afraid to let the former angel out of her sight. That seemed to decide it for the rest, if not Zachary. They crowded up to the hole John had cut in the wall, jumping for the ladder as fast as there was room. Perhaps the water on the floor in the hallway, at first only a slick, but now deep enough to make their shoes soggy, persuaded them. One way or another, this facility was done for. John felt what was coming before he saw it. Three men rounding the corner at the opposite end of the hallway, maybe a hundred feet away. Two of them were wearing suits, while the other wore a tactical outfit like the security guards, but with the addition of a red armband on the left arm. He knew what they were. Heavy hitters, program metas like he was meant to become. They started running towards John and Zachary, the one in white leading. We gotta cover the others while they get out, kid. You up for this? Zachary didn't take his eyes off of the approaching enemies. The better question is, are they... I've wanted to kill these guys for years. He squared his shoulders, crouching low with his hands balled into fists at his sides. John brought his rifle up, aiming for the center. Best to take out the leader first if he could. Fighting Metas was unpredictable. No telling what bag of tricks this trio had. Just as John depressed the trigger, one of the suited goons dodged in front of the Meta in white. The bullets found the center of his chest. 
and then he vanished in a whirl of something that looked like black smoke. Two identical goons were in his place, running side by side. John fired two more fast bursts at each, to the same effect. When hit, the goons vanished and were replaced by two more. Now there were five goons in suits, and all of them were grinning nastily. Well, shit. This just got more complicated. John dropped his rifle, using the quick detach on the sling to let it completely go. It'd only hang him up if they got into serious hand-to-hand unpleasantness. Hurry up, hotshot. The shaft is starting to fill. Unless you're really good at breathing water, you're running out of time. Nag, nag, nag. John focused for a moment. Fire sprung to life in the palms of his hands, traveling up his arms. Zack was startled enough to flinch away from him. He was reminded again of his time with the program, and how it ended. He shot his arms out in front of himself, sending waves of flame into the narrow hallway. Again, the duplicate goons shoved to the front, meeting the attack head-on. John ramped up the fires, sending a pulse through the waves that crashed over duplicates until the hallway was filled with a truly impressive conflagration. John killed his fires once the automatic fire suppressions for the facility kicked in. Thankfully, it was sprinklers instead of halon gas, though he supposed that it would only speed up the flooding. A mass of oily black smoke was all that was left where the goons had been. Not bad. For an old guy, Zack said nonchalantly, relaxing from his fighting stance and scratching his nose. You know what they say, kid. Older the bull. John's head snapped around to the hallway again. Something didn't feel right. Zack picked up on it from John's expression, but didn't have time to prepare for what came next. Charging through the smoke, like creatures from some sort of nightmare, were too many duplicates to count. If they had been grinning before, they now had near-rictus-wide smiles, all teeth and hate. At the back of the clamoring mob was the one in the white security uniform, watching. That standout tilted its head to the side. Then the screaming began. The escaping children, Zack included, were all screaming as if they were being tortured. John whirled around for a split second, taking in the scene. Some of them were on the ground, clawing at their ears or the sides of their heads, balled up in the field position. Two fell from the ladder, but somehow Sarah slid down to them and caught them, holding them between her chest and the steel with her wings cupped around them. John turned back towards the most immediate threat. He could tell that Zack had managed to get a grip on whatever was happening to him, and was still on his feet. They... One. White. Mr. Cutter. Nails and... Knives. Zack rasped out through gritted teeth before screaming again, this time in both pain and rage, before he uncoiled like a spring, bolting towards the goons. Must be a telepath of some sort. Induces pain. Sarah and I are protected, but I can feel the bastard scratching at the edges of my mind, trying to wedge himself inside like a roach in a crack in the wall. He didn't have any more time to think. The goons were almost to the hole in the wall, and Zack had rushed forward alone. John had manifested his sword. With his enhancements already keyed up, he was nearly a blur as he ran. He knew that it didn't matter how many of the goons he cut through. More would pop up. He had to get to that bastard in white, Mr. Cutter. Shut him off, and the kids would have an easier time of it. 
Zack had already waded into the mass of the duplicates, his hands flashing and sweeping and breaking and tearing at a whirlwind pace. The duplicates were definitely physical, not just illusions. And they had knives. Zack was giving them a run for their money, but it was coming at a cost. His coverall was slashed open in several places, and he was bleeding freely from several of his wounds. John saw that he was about to go down in a dogpile of the duplicates, Roman stabbing style. You can't have that. The duplicates were all so focused on Zack that not a single one of them saw him coming. With three overhead cuts, he took out four duplicates that had worked their way behind Zack. He brought his sword downward from a high guard viciously, using the back edge of the sword, amputating the hands of a duplicate that had just missed a thrust for John's sternum. He noticed that this duplicate didn't immediately disperse and double. It seemed to freak out, twitching and shaking as it fell to the floor. But it didn't die. John changed tactics. He started to wound and incapacitate the duplicates instead of going directly for the kill. Holding his claymore in front of him, he swung the blade in a windshield wiper motion, advancing forward with each cut. Hands, arms, parts of legs and knives all fell to the floor. A few of the duplicates were killed anyways. They were all so close together, it was impossible to be 100% discretionary with his attacks. But for the most part, John only injured them enough to take them out of the fight. Swinging his sword out in a long arc in a low sweep with one hand, he easily hobbled a half-dozen of the duplicates, sending them toppling over to the floor, legless. Whoever was controlling the duplicates got smart to the game, though. The still-functional duplicates started to kill their wounded comrades, brutally and without hesitation. Still bought us a little bit of time, and Zack some breathing room. Zack was still tearing through the duplicates mindlessly, too caught up in pain to have any sort of technique to his attacks, what little he had in the first place anyways. Enough of this shit. John delivered a devastating front kick to the chest of one of the duplicate goons. The force of it was enough to leave a sickeningly deep, boot-shaped indent in the duplicate's chest before it crashed into the goons behind it, sending a cluster of them down in a pile. John grabbed the tie from one of the duplicates that was rushing past him to get at Zack, pulling it around until it was in front of him. Still holding on to the tie with his offhand, he stabbed the sword through the duplicate's midsection. He ramped up the power of the fires for the sword for a moment, cauterizing the wound, but not killing the duplicate. The duplicate looked at John, then the sword sticking out of its gut, and then back to John. John ignited the fires at his feet. The rocket motor report was deafening in enclosed space. He held the duplicate, still impaled on his claymore, in front of him like a shield as his feet left the ground, and he began to fly. The impacts as his makeshift shield struck its brothers was enough to make John's arms creak, but he mustered all of his strength to keep pushing through, a human battering ram attached to a jet engine. He had seen what he had to do through the battle sense, and knew when to release the now very dead duplicate right before it dissipated. He had punched through the mob of duplicates. He cut off his fires, extinguishing both his sword and his flight. In the same instant, he threw his arms wide, like a linebacker in full extension. His shoulders speared into the midsection of Mr. Cutter, tackling him to the floor. There was a loud crack as his helmet hit the floor. John had a second to see the man's eyes. They were slammed wide open with fear. Before the medic could start to focus his attention or powers on John, or even worse, Sarah, 
he placed his right palm against the helmet at temple level, then ignited a garden hose thick stream of plasma that cut straight through the helmet and the head beneath, splashing against the wall. Mr. Cutter was dead instantly, wisps of acrid smoke drifting from the two new holes in the dead man's helmet. Instantly, the screaming from the children behind him stopped, replaced by uncertain whimpering. I am getting them up the ladder again, beloved, he heard in his mind. You must end this and join us. We are running out of time. John sensed that the action behind him had changed. While still on the ground and hunched over the dead Meta's body, he glanced over his shoulder to see all of the duplicates stop and sink, then turn and run straight for him. He was on his feet instantly, reigniting his claymore and sheathing his arms in flame, ready to meet the charge, when just as suddenly, the entirety of the mob of duplicates disappeared completely. There was a single goon in a suit in the middle of the hallway. He looked around frantically, pulling a knife from his jacket and squaring his shoulders towards John. Before he could do anything else, Zack walked calmly up to the man and snapped his neck from behind, as easily as if he was cracking a glow stick. It was John's turn to be confused. What happened? Zack stared at the body of Mr. Cutter, still fuming. When you killed him, the pain went away. I could fight back after that, use my powers, concentrate on them. He kicked the goon in the suit, hard in the ribs. I do probability manipulation, or that's what they called it anyway. If I focus on it, I can... Make it work harder for me. Do bigger things. I guess I shut down this asshole's power for a second. John glanced at the hole in the wall. The last of the children were just disappearing into the shaft. Hurry, he heard Sarah send to him through their connection. The water is nearly at your level, and the Thulians are at the second basement. Time to get going, kid. We're way past checkout. John saw it coming before it happened and rushed forward to reach Zack. The young Meta swayed on his feet for a moment before his eyes rolled up into the back of his head, and he swooned. John caught him before he hit the floor, then slapped him in the face a couple of times. The teen's eyes fluttered open, though clearly it took some effort. You're played out, but we gotta get you out of here. Up and at him. Zack nodded weakly as John helped him back to his feet. He half-carried, half-shoved Zack along as they ran for the hole in the wall that led to the emergency escape hatch. It was a simple metal tube with a ladder opposite the hole in the wall. And Sarah had not exaggerated. Water was lapping at the rungs visibly as he shoved Zack inside. They both had wet feet before they climbed higher. "'You'll feel an opening in front of you, and the ladder will keep going up, slantwise,' Vicky said in his ear. "'That's where you need to go.' Don't reach up for the next part of the ladder. That'll only take you to where there's a lot of Nazis. Sure enough, in roughly two stories, his hand encountered empty air. He ignited the fire on his hand and looked down at Zack below him. See the hole? he said, sticking his hand in the place where a slantwise tube joined the vertical one. Zack nodded. That's where we're going. Then he clambered up and in. The going was easier on the slant. How much of this have we got, Vix? he asked aloud. A lot. It leads out beyond the fence. Five hundred yards, roughly. He caught up with the last of the kids, ignited a fire again, and looked back. Zack's eyes reflected the flame. 
now that he wasn't fighting like a demon, the metatine looked very young, exhausted, and vulnerable. The kid in front of him squeaked, stopped, and looked back in a panic as she realized there was someone behind her. John tried to smile reassuringly. It must have worked. She kept going. Finally, a hint of daylight ahead, with dark moving shapes obscuring it, and he sensed Sarah near. The light encouraged the other kids to move faster. As he reached it, he saw Sarah's arms reaching into the hole and helping to pull the little girl ahead of him out. He could not get out of that tunnel fast enough. Too many memories. Ghosts of the past tended to suck up all the oxygen in a room if you let them. He emerged on a thickly forested island, and it was immediately apparent that most of the forest was artificial. A metal hatch had been flipped back onto what looked like long grass and was, in fact, plastic. The only real things were the drifts of dead leaves caught here and there. There is a slightly submerged path. Marked it on your HUDs, Vicky said. Holy sh- Hit the dirt! He and Sarah just reacted, automatically, going down to the ground and taking as many of the kids as they could with them. A Thulean death sphere, half on fire and canted sideways, flew overhead. It was clearly going down, and a minute or two later, the island shook and a fireball rose over the swamp to John's left. Something nasty is fighting back against the Thulians. Guess the program has some more tricks up its sleeve. Any interference on the way out? John asked, still prone. Not at the moment. Wait too long and there will be. My advice is to let the bad guys mow each other down and get the hell out of Dodge. Safe trail ends just outside of a little town called Ventus Bayou. There was a pause. Hey, Hotshot, I think I can just barely port a lunchbox with enough cash in it for bus fare to Tallahassee for all those kids. You can't fly them all out of there, you know. Yeah, he said, a number of feelings, all of them bad, warring within him. I know. There was a sudden, powerful need inside of him to get all of the kids out, get them all to safety, to make up for when he had escaped. He knew what they would go through, alone, frightened, not even necessarily of dying, afraid of being taken back. He had been a man when the program had dug its claws into him, and he had had a man's knowledge, a man's constitution. These were children. If his own history were any yardstick, they would have more horror in their future. And there was damned little that John could do about it. Vicky was as good as her word. John unfolded a little bit of cloth with a diagram on it on the ground as they all huddled in the bushes just outside of town. A few minutes later, a lunchbox appeared in the middle of it, stuffed with cash, with a map from the bus station to the Echo Building on it. I've got an Overwatch 1 rep in there. He's going to try and have someone meet the bus, and I've already put through the authorization of a pack of underagers to travel on the bus to Tallahassee. They're orphans being evacuated from an attack on a school, hence the uniforms. There's enough in the box for fare and burgers and fries. Sarah carefully explained this to the children. The three oldest were given the cash, the right code word to give the ticket agent to clear them buying all those tickets, and the map, just in case no one met them. If you choose not to go to Echo, I do not think that would be wise, she said finally. But if that is the case, run far and long and hard. 
stay away from cities if you can help it. Stay with other kids when you can't. Don't go home. Don't go anywhere you've ever known. These bastards go after you through your memories, the love you have for others. It's how their minds work. You'll have to cut ties, maybe forever. The words tasted like acid in John's mouth, and he felt like a hypocrite. He knew what they had to do. Zack was their mission. But he still felt sick to his stomach. Futures be damned. Aren't you coming with us? asked one of the younger girls in dismay, although the older children tried to put a brave face on things. Sarah shook her head. We cannot, she admitted. What we did to get you out was not... authorized. Zack pushed to the front of the group. It was plain that the others treated him like a leader. They weren't scared of him, and he didn't seem to need to bark orders or bully them to get them to do what needed to be done. What's that even mean? Sarah looked at John helplessly. We had to kick over a hornet's nest to get you out. As you can probably tell, other people wanted the facility, too. This is going to attract attention, and not the good kind. We came for you and you alone, Zack. You were our mission, and we need to get you out of here safely. No matter what. Even if it means we bite it in the process. The other kids were staring at Zack now, waiting to see what he would do. The hell with that! I'm not leaving everyone here. We're getting out of here together. There's a friggin' war going on out there. You don't even know the half of it, kid. We've been fighting a war for the last few years. We've lost friends and family. We've had our asses kicked more times than I can count, but we're still fighting back. The world is ready to get turned into a cinder. If we fail, we've only got one plan to keep that from happening. And you're a part of it. Zack opened his mouth, just as Sarah placed her hand on his forehead, her face a mask. Be still, she said, and the young Meta slumped bonelessly to the ground. I have not harmed him, she told the others, before they could react in alarm, and a wave of reassurance came from her. But we must go, and we must take him with us. You've got money for food and bus tickets. It'll be okay. The guy selling the tickets knows you're coming, and it all comes with echo credentials and stuff to get you to Tallahassee. Get some lunch and get on that bus. Stay low, move fast, and once you're clear, keep your heads on a swivel. With any luck, we'll see some of y'all soon enough. We've got to get Zack out of here now, okay? The kids all looked at each other, then all eyes went to the oldest girl, who took a deep, long breath closed her eyes for a moment, and firmed her chin. She opened her eyes again. Can you promise we'll be all right with Echo? We'll believe you. No more hurting, one of the younger ones cried, then clapped both hands over his mouth. If they go with the Echo guy, he's going to get them all to a big safe house for Medikids, Vicky said that with conviction. They won't be separated. You will be safe, and together, and no one will hurt you, Sarah promised. There's one last thing, kids. You've got to keep quiet about Zack here, about the facility. A lot is riding on it.
you gonna keep our gremlins safe? It was the same young child that had spoken up before. We will. John paused before picking up Zack and putting him over his shoulder. Why do you call him Gremlin? The oldest girl spoke up. It was a young Russian guy, a friend of Zack's. They had been in the program the longest. It was his nickname, and he gave it to Zack. John, we must go. Sarah had started flipping her wings, a sure sign of nerves. We are running out of time. John knew that his wife was right. That didn't make it any easier for either of them. Be safe. Be smart. Y'all are tough. You wouldn't have made it this long if you weren't. See the sign with the dog on it? He pointed through the brush down the street to a storefront with a greyhound sign, and also one for Kitty's Cafe. Run there, a couple at a time, until you're all inside. Get your tickets and get some lunch. Don't leave until the bus shows up and get straight on there. Sit together. Get off at Tallahassee. Look for a guy in a black uniform with a white triangle on the front. That's the Echo guy. Safe journeys, kids. John didn't wait to say anything more. He readjusted Zack on his shoulder, took a running start, and fired off his flying rockets. Sarah was right behind him. He spared a single glance back. The kids were already moving. He hoped they would be all right. And he hoped that Zack would forgive them. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagger. Narration and production by Veronica Jagger at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.